Hello there, this is Paul from Theatre in the Making, and this is Fables, our podcast of stories of wisdom and humor from cultures all over the world. Stories that share how we laugh and cry together, how we play together, and how we get through each day together. Which Son Should Rule? A Hungarian Fairy Tale Egy Magyar Mese Once upon a time, a king sat by the window of his palace and spent the day sighing. The citizens of his kingdom weren't very nice. If someone was hungry or hurt, no one stopped to help. They enjoyed war and taking the riches that other kingdoms had gathered. When they weren't at war, they fought each other. This had never much bothered the king before, but now he was growing old and realized he had not been a very good king. The king had three sons and he was very proud of each. They were strong, brave and handsome, and it was the king's job to decide which one should become king after him. Because he hadn't been a very good king so far, he wanted to at least do this one thing correctly. The sons of the king noticed that their father seemed unhappy, but they didn't know why. The youngest son said he would ask. He went to the room where the king was sitting. Father, what is it that makes you sigh and be sad? The king was in a bad mood and didn't like to be disturbed, so he threw his spoon at his son. Fortunately, the prince ducked out of the way and the spoon stuck part way in the door. He went back and told his brothers it was no use asking such a grouch about anything. Next, the oldest son said he would go and ask the king. He fared no better than his brother, for his father threw a fork at him, which stuck halfway in the door. Give up on him, the oldest son said. He is the biggest crab I ever saw. The middle son decided that he would try anyway. My father, he asked, what makes you so sad? The king was angrier than ever because he'd been disturbed twice already that day. He took up his butter knife and threw it. Lucky for the prince, he ducked out of the way and the knife stuck most of the way into the door. Then the middle son pulled with all his might and removed the spoon, the fork and the butter knife and brought them back to his father. It was growing close to dinner time and the prince knew the king would need his silverware to eat. The king was left alone. After he finished dinner, he suddenly jumped up. I have it! He called his court together and told them his decision. My middle son will become king. The father had decided this because if his son could be nice to such a grumpy old man, maybe he could teach the people. The king retired early and the middle prince received the throne. The father no longer sat at a window and sighed, and his son made a much better king than he had ever been. Itt a vége fussel which means this is the end, run away with it. The Fairy's Cauldron The failure to live up to a bargain lies at the heart of this English tale. Once upon a time there was a great stone lying along a hill in Surrey, England, if anyone went to this place to borrow a yoke of oxen, or money, or something else, they could have it for a year or longer, as long as they kept their promise to return it. People would go to the stone, 
knock at it, and declare what they wanted to borrow and when they would repay it. A fairy voice would answer and tell them when they should come and find what they wanted at the stone. One day, a great cauldron and trivet were borrowed in this way, but they were not returned according to promise. Even though the cauldron was carried later to the stone, it was not accepted. Ever since, the fairies have stopped lending things to humans. The Sunken City Greed and callousness toward the poor bring disaster in this legend from Holland. Many centuries ago, the town of Stavaren was the, one of the most important ports in Holland. Its merchants traded with all parts of the world and they brought back their ships filled with rich cargoes. As the town became more and more prosperous, its merchants and investors lived with great extravagance. Among these, none was wealthier than Rich Berta. She owned a fleet of the finest ships of the city, and she loved to decorate her great mansion with riches brought from all around the world. Strangely, Rich Berta was not happy. She held many parties, each more extravagant than the last, not because she enjoyed providing hospitality, but to make others envious. During one party, a stranger came, saying he had traveled a great distance just to see the treasures of which wondrous stories had been told. Flattered, Richberta told her servants to bring him to the feasting table. After a time, he began to talk about the distant country of his birth and about his life. He always seemed to draw a moral from his adventures. Mostly, he spoke of the passing nature of all things earthly. The guests listened carefully, but Richberta was angry and disappointed that he had not marveled at her wealth and the treasures of her mansion. Finally, Richberta demanded, Have you ever seen such splendor as you now behold? Do your eastern kings have such treasures as mine? No, replied the man. They have no pearls or rich embroideries to match yours. Nevertheless, there is one thing missing from your hoard, and that is the best and most valuable of all earthly gifts. In vain, Richberta begged him to tell her what that most precious of things might be. After a time, he rose to leave, and Richberta never saw him again. From that day forward, Richberta strove to discover the meaning of the stranger's words. She was rich and possessed greater treasures than any in Stavaren, and yet she lacked the most precious of earth's treasures. It galled her pride. In her anxiety to gain the precious thing, whatever it might be, Richberta sent all her ships to sea. She told each captain not to return until he had found some treasure that she did not already possess. One captain set forth with provisions for seven years, but during the first storm he found it necessary to throw most of the supplies overboard to save the ship. The remaining food was spoiled by the seawater and rotted until it was unfit to eat. The entire cargo of bread was cast into the sea. The captain then watched his crew grow sick and hungry from the lack of bread, and this opened his eyes to the real meaning of the stranger's words to Richberta. The most valuable of all earthly treasures was not from pearls from the sea, or gold and silver from the mountains, or the rich spices from the Indies. The most common of all earth's products found in every country upon which the lives of millions depended, this was the greatest treasure, and this was the bread. 
Having reached this conclusion, the captain set sail for a Baltic port, where he took on a cargo of corn and returned immediately for Stavron. Richberta was pleased to see the ship return so soon, and she implored the captain to tell her what treasure he brought with him. The captain told of his adventures, the storm, the loss of their store of bread, and the suffering of the crew, and told how in this he had discovered the great treasure that the stranger had been unable to find at her table. It was bread, he said simply, and the cargo he brought was grain. Fury rose in Richberta. She demanded, cast that grain into the sea. It was a cruel decision. Stavron had its share of poor families, and they were suffering much at that time, many of them dying from sheer starvation. The cargo of grain would have provided bread for them throughout the entire winter, so the captain begged Richberta to reconsider her decision. He even sent the barefooted and hungry children of the city to her, thinking that their misery would move her heart. All was in vain. In front of the starving multitude, the precious cargo was cast into the sea. This deed will ruin you, the captain said sadly. And so it proved true. Far down in the bottom of the sea, the grain germinated, and a forest of bare stalks grew until they reached the surface of the water. The shifting sand at the sea's bottom was bound together by the stalks into a mighty sandbar that rose above the surface. No longer could the ships enter the harbor, for it was blocked by the dike of sand. As time passed, all the wealth and commerce of the proud city were at an end. Richberta saw her ships wrecked one by one on the sandbar, and she ended her life by begging for bread. Only then did she understand the words of the old traveler. Years later, the sea burst through the dike of grain and sand and buried Stavron forever under the waves. Why Tigers Never Attack People Unless They Are Provoked Disparate individuals prove fast friends in this tale from Africa. A man, hunting one day in the forest, met a tiger. At first, each was afraid of the other, but after some talking, they became quite friendly. They agreed to live together for a while. First, the man would live with the tiger in his forest home for two weeks. Then the tiger would come and live in the man's house. The tiger treated the man better than he had ever been treated in all his life. Then came the time for the tiger to return home with the man. As they were going, the tiger was somewhat afraid. He asked the man if he would be safe. What if your friends do not like my face and kill me? He asked. You need fear nothing said his host. No one will touch you while I am there. The tiger came to the man's house and stayed for three weeks. He had brought his male cub with him, and the young tiger became good friends with the man's son. Some months later, the man's father died. When the tiger heard of his friend's loss, he and his cub set out at once to see him, bringing a large sum of money to help the man. As the tiger traveled home again, two of the man's friends lay in hiding and shot him. Fortunately, he was not killed, but he was very much grieved as he thought these men might have shot him at his friend's request. 
he decided to find out if the man had been involved. He went to the place in the forest where he had first met his friend. There he lay down as if he were dead, after telling his cub to watch and see what would happen. By and by, the man came along. When he saw the tiger apparently lying dead, he became terribly upset. He began to cry and mourn and sat there all night long with the tiger's cub to watch that no harm should come to the body. When morning came and the tiger was quite sure his friend had nothing at all to do with the shot, he was very glad. He stood to the man's great astonishment and explained why he had pretended to be dead. Go home, said the tiger, and remember me always. In the future, for your sake, I will never touch a man unless he meddles with me first. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of Fables. Today's readers were Kristina Udvardi, Nathan Simpson Kaufelt, Christian Macaron, and Steve Pinzone. Join us again soon.